Welcome to the Creative Land Podcast Network. Join us as we share our favorite RPGs, one-shot games, tabletop games, reviews of items, and convention panels, and other exciting things that we run into from time to time. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, a sign to Ragnarok story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the 5th Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Uh, well, my name is Brian Haas. Uh, I am a film programmer uh, for Film Bar in Phoenix. Uh, I've been a film critic for a very long time at this point, since the last century, a long time. Um, And um, we've been doing live events now for five or six years. Um, And uh, this is my first con in two years. So that's really, I got my first panel out of the way yesterday. Um, so that was very exciting because it'd been a very long time and I missed this. So, um, and would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, well, I, I've done my fair share of film criticism. I'm Wolf Forrest. I'm a local writer and artist. And uh, yeah, I was intrigued by the, by the topic. Really. I cited a number of examples that may or may not be relevant to the discussion yeah. at hand, but what, I'm glad you're a film person too. Maybe we'll just get into a fight. Yeah, people can watch and eat their popcorn. And go, kill, kill, kill. That's what everybody loved about Siskel and Ebert. Yeah, it whatever, wasn't when whatever, they agreed; right. it's when they didn't agree. We don't care how. Yeah, exactly. Sacrificial lambs or whatever. Yeah, um, but uh, today we're going to talk about moral panic and uh, how it's used uh, as a, a tool in advertising. Um, and it's kind of funny. Um, I like this. You know, was asked to be uh, a part of this, and uh, I just say I'll talk about whatever. I don't care. You know, I just sort of like widely put it out there. Um, and when I got assigned this, I'm like, interesting. Like I was not expecting like this conversation to you know come out of this. Um, Did you panic? No, no, <laughs> uh, because I can think of like lots of relevant things um, in regards to this particular topic. Um, but the more that I thought about it. I don't think that moral panic is a very good like uh, promotional tool. To be honest with you, I'm not sure how much benefit like the people that are like directly involved with whatever's being like run through the ringer actually get from that. Um, I mean, it sort of like puts your name out there, but I don't know that anybody that wasn't already going to like see what you were doing is really gonna you know have that much of a yeah. Please. Can you give me just an example of what? something with moral advertising work? Totally, yeah. So I got the best example ever, right? Um, in 1981, 82, uh, there was this movie called Silent Night, Deadly Night, um, where a killer Santa Claus, um, you know, ends up, like, stalking a family, you know, and, like, the it makes sense in the context of it. And people had done killer Santa Clauses four or five... It wasn't a new idea, right? This yeah. had been done three, four, five times. Um, but... What was different about this one is it had 
a very specific, um, a great a poster of uh, Santa, you know, with like the bag in one hand and an axe in the other one going down the chimney, you know, and it's just, oh, so perfect. And some, you know, church group saw this and was completely like beside themselves offended um, because you can't say that about Santa Claus, even though this has already been said about Santa Claus, you know, like there was a very famous Tales from the Crypt episode that they remade like three times. Um, and they're all good. Uh, there's a really good, um, Barbara, uh, I'm forgetting her name. Barbara Collins, I think, um, is in the original one and plays sort of the bitchy version of like the, uh, but the, the whole thing was that this like sort of really took off like wildfire and like all of the, um, all of the, you know, news networks picked it up as back when, you know, it was ABC, CBS, NBC. So like if they all picked it up, everybody in the whole of the United States knew about this. Um, and like Trimark, who was the, uh, the distributor of Silent Night, Deadly Night, uh, pulled all the advertising immediately. As soon as like there was one peep out of the church groups, pulled all the advertising immediately. Within two weeks, pulled the, the film and they did like barely made their money back is what they ended up doing and there was like a couple of tenuously you know like uh tight end sequels that came after that and like several more that were not even they didn't even bother to it's just like silent night deadly night is a property now so we can sell that name even if it doesn't like it you know attach to like the and it's even been remade at this point the remake didn't even really do that good and we love remakes like everybody loves remakes now <laughs> And um, I don't think it really did anything, you know, in the long term. It made all these movies, but, like, I think those were just people that sort of made, you know, a few pennies on it because the, the property rights to it bounced from, like, one person to the next. That's why so many different people, they would just buy the rights to it, slap it on the front of a Christmas movie, and now it's, you know, going to rent. You know, it's, you know, uh, how you compete for eyes uh, back when the video store days, you know. So would the moral advertising be the initial image that they put out there, or would it be because they heard uh, the church groups were upset, and then they recalled everything? Yeah, I would say that. I mean, I, it was probably a little bit of both, you know, because, okay. um, like, it was quick. Like, it, it happened like that, you okay. know, back when nothing happened. And nothing happened quick back then, you know? It'd take, like, months for anything to happen, you know? It's not like uh, stuff the, the way that it moves today, where it's like, you know, 10 minutes later, you know exactly what the circumstances of, you know, some event that happened halfway across the world, you know? Yeah, social media for you. Yeah, it just, um, it brings everything so close. It's um, funny, so because media. when I heard of, before it was even made before, when I heard about Silent Night, like, my mind went to, it's about a chronic a guy with chronic flatulence. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see that movie too. <laughs> well, and, and you know, with regards to film, I'm, I'm sure we're talking about all media. Sure. People come across, Absolutely. We're coming from a film background, so it's not really science fiction, but I always go to films like The Last Temptation of Christ by Martin Scorsese. Mm -hmm. Yes. As soon as the Catholic Legion of Decency boycotts it, people want to see it. Yeah. And you want to involve yourself in something that's forbidden, like what's going on that I don't know about. Nobody wants to be left out of something. Everybody wants to feel like they're in the loop, they're in the know. So I think about uh, filmmakers like Pier Paolo Pasolini, mm -hmm. who did films like uh, The Temptation of St. Anthony. I'm trying to remember the one that he's, it's his most notorious and it's just one Adam. Oh, Martin. the uh, uh, 120 Days of Sodom. Thank, Sodom, thank you. Yeah. Right. Solo. Solo, Solo, 120 Solo. Days of Sodom, which 
even if what, you're an atheist, it will set you back. Yeah. So put that on your to watch list if you want. <laughs> it's your, a bumpy your, your ride. Mind kind of expanded. The same way with uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky. Yes. You know, who did yes. El Topo, which has yep. a lot of religious iconography in there. Um, I love his stuff. Yeah, he's, just, he's just mad, you know. He's yes. just a madman. He had a character in that film. It was a, uh, a legless midget strapped to an armless big man. Yes. And he said, it made one John Wayne. <laughs> he's a cowboy, you know. He's a good cowboy. There's a film called uh, you've probably seen it. I have it called Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, Jesus, you know, eat of my flesh, drink of my blood. I mean, how can you not think of a vampire? You know, it's like this is thinly The power stuff. of Christ impales you. <laughs> That's literally the tagline: the power of Christ impales you. In the 1970s, uh, National Lampoon magazine did their all science fiction issue, which had a wonderful story by Theodore Sturgeon called Cruzy's Pot, which is. It's it's a mindfuck. Find a PDF of it somewhere if you can. But the cover had some alien uh, crucified, and it was like a six arm cross, you know, because yeah. they have four arms, you know. <laughs> it was like this is yeah. crazy. So Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah. If they had embraced that, yeah. If they'd just been like, oh, you don't like us? Who cares? Yeah. They could have been big because people have been like, well. What is this church group bitching about? I think they would have ultimately done a lot better. But, you know, in 81 or whenever that happened, it was like, we are terrified. You know, like, and especially yeah, yeah, yeah. then when, like, Absolutely. the church is a very powerful tool still. You know, like, it's sort of lost, you know, some of its power over the years. You know, it's just sort of eroded away a little bit. But, like, then it was just like, we cannot go against, no. No. Yeah. No. Like, we got to do what they say. Um and uh, it was funny because like somebody else um, ended up picking it up and released it in like the summertime or something, and, like some other distributor, right? Because Trimark's like, I'm not touching this again, you know. Yeah. And somebody else came and said, Well, do it. We don't care, you know. It's got a, a little bit of notoriety to it, and they probably made a couple of uh, dollars off of it. The most interesting use of moral panic that I've seen recently is flipping it up on its head, right? So right now. Um, the, the best example of this is uh, the Passion of the Christ, right? Okay, so most people would say, but that made like half a billion dollars. Yes, but they did it with the exact opposite philosophy of everybody doesn't want you to see this. You know, like we are definitely being, you know, like uh, people are against us, you know, and like they don't want this type of uh, programming and, you know, like, they, yeah, and so... Uh, and so they, and they, I mean, they were marketing it in, like, churches, you know, like, they're literally doing, like, promos in churches for it, you know, and it's like, wow, that's kind of, you know, but it just goes to show you how much power they still have when they want to do that sort of stuff, so, yeah. Uh, would something similar be, like, when uh, Joaquin Phoenix's The Joker came out, and then there was, like, that article from, like, military, like, the military basically encouraging their soldiers not to see it? Maybe because they were. I guess about, sort like, of. It tri- like this is a. Re- I did not. Make, I read. I read it in the Star oh, no. Times yeah. article. Like they. They were very concerned about their military personnel, especially those with complex PTSD, going to see it. Yeah. Because they were worried it would trigger them and make them want to like kill the superior officers or something. I don't know. As but, opposed to any other film. Right. <laughs> I'm not sure why they singled that film out. That's, yeah. that's well, very... I also like. I also heard that the military actually has a pretty firm presence in Hollywood and a lot of times they'll like they do yeah because like, that's whole, why you see a lot of like military stuff in films 
But they they'll, get, but they and won't they get say over it. Right. Yeah. They won't let anything show, like, right. barely show the bad right. side of Like, all the stuff that you see in the Top Gun trailers that you've been seeing for two years now because it's been sitting on a shelf because of, you know, the pandemic or whatever, all that stuff is absolutely real military. Like, they're really flying those planes, you know? Um, like, it was something that Tom Cruise insisted on. And, you know, Tom Cruise can do what he wants because, you know, he has a production company and makes billions of dollars and is still a huge star everywhere else in the world, you know, and still has, like, his fans here in America. And, um, but, yeah, like, um, it is very much. And there's a lot of groups, you know, like, um, honestly, I would say, like, the, the other uh, way that I'm seeing this is a lot is through the marketing of just, like, everything in everything that you're watching and it's subtle marketing now it's not like you know hitting you over the face it's like the character that you're watching is drinking you know like uh, James Bond's drinking a Heineken you know like it's not like smashing you over the head with it you know but like here he is holding the Heineken you know in the next and the last couple of movies or whatever um, you know Bond's been doing that for years but like everybody else has sort of been getting on board with this idea um, and it's become more and more subtle. And so, like, I would hope that there would be more of a backlash to that, but it doesn't seem, nobody seems to care. So, in novels, like, big, not my novels, nobody cares, but big name novels, mm -hmm. they product place. Oh, yeah. If that character's driving me. a Lexus, someone paid that author to use a Lexus. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, well, um, there, was, there was a film in 1964 which started a very young Ellen Burson. Mm -hmm. And she went by Helen McRae at the time. It was called For Those Who Think Young. And it was kind of like your teen comedy or surf movie or whatever. But everything in there was Pepsi products because mm -hmm. that was their slogan. Mm -hmm. I feel like as consumers, it's less of wanting to call them out. We see it. We're just mm -hmm. so desensitized. We're like, oh, there it is again. Right. Like there's no... The expectation yeah. is already set, so we're not surprised. So remember when you we had to learn to call everything so, Brand X or blank oh, yeah. boxes because you couldn't promote Yeah, somebody. it used to be like you would see just like the all the generic stuff, you know, in the mm -hmm. movies because they were they were terrified that like Pepsi was going to sue them because, you know, like Pepsi's in their movie. Now they're like, Pepsi, do you want to be in our movie? They're like, yes, yeah, we want to like, be in your I movie. there's no such thing as there's, a well, form of advertising. That. So. Yeah. I love the idea of like flipping advertisers on their heads. So like at one point during one of the stories I was writing, I meant like I wanted something the equivalent of Amazon Prime, so I called it Congo Zenith. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it's a it's a it's a giant. It's the second sure. giant rainforest, and then like Zenith, woo, right. like it's even bigger. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I love stuff that does that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah mine would be Yangtze Irrational, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> or how in um, Robot, Mr. Robot, they called him. He wouldn't call it by its name, so they called it Evil Corp, E Corp, <laughs> the bank, or whatever. Yeah, um, I mean, there's still ways to get around it if you want to do that, um, but like, uh, it just seems like so prevalent these days um, that it's kind of, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's just the 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 politics and the money, the way that money changes hand in Hollywood these days. But well, the Catholic Church would do the flip side of that, as opposed to recommending that you boycott certain things because it did fit into their agenda. They went and did a bunch of stuff called Christian scare films. Oh yeah. Well, it's just like you know Veggie Tales on acid with Freddy Krueger, and it's like, are you kidding? <laughs> there was one I'm trying to remember the name. There was one called Thirteen Stripes, but there was another one even more notorious, and it starred Jerry Falwell. It's basically 
teaching you how to behave by showing you how, what happens to people when they don't do good stuff. Mm -hmm. I remember watching this one Christian paid like abstinence video and basically it was a guy and a girl and they were like making out and the girl's like, come on Tommy, I really want to. And he's all like, okay. And like handcuffs her in the closet then sets her on fire. Cause <laughs> <laughs> like, he's all like, my virginity means everything to me, oh, Kathy. Yeah. <laughs> like I was like, the fuck are you at? Like, that's terrifying. I gotta make a list of this stuff. Yeah, really, <laughs> that's, that's good imagery for a so story or something like that. Oh my gosh. Also, that's you know, I love that it was the woman that was the one pressuring him. So mm -hmm. like <laughs> that's always um, but like I think um it's sort of like translating into a diff you know, with um social media being so immediate that it's you know turning into different things now where it's not really like moral panic anymore it's you know like i mean it seems like there's two sides to you know like maybe cancel culture or um like just sort of like um putting certain ideals out there and um maybe that's what it's sort of like translating into um i think we're on a constant state of panic <laughs> that's the part of the problem yeah, I, I don't. Well, think at least we've been conditioned by the events of the past year and a half <laughs> to live that way in the future. Right, you know, we're yeah. sort of ignored to okay after COVID. Well, what's worse than that? Well, don't tempt fate. <laughs> well, are we going to be someplace in five years? We go, gee, I wish it were only COVID. Over twenty twenty. I love those days. You know, but, uh, yes. Yeah. Well, what about uh, say filmmakers that try to appeal to an individual sense of comfort or moral center or whatever? When they test your batteries, like in the original Frankenstein, when they had a nurse in the audience because they expected people to pass out or panic, and William Castle, who was the master of, of gimmicks, you know, in his first gimmicky film called Macabre, they issued life insurance policy <laughs> to the guy in fright while watching this film. Mm -hmm. You know, and then oh, Hitchcock yeah. did it, of course, with Psycho, That's where no one will be admitted into the, I mean, Obviously, he didn't want people to, because he couldn't stop people from giving sure. away the ending once they left the theater. But the idea was that, you know, if you don't get there at the beginning, you're not going to be allowed to see this film. So mm -hmm. I said, okay, well, I don't want to miss anything. You this know, is going to be great. Bandwagoning, and, and you want to be part of a group. Yeah, you yeah. know, and you wonder, how is a film going to survive when the heroines killed off 40 minutes into the film? Yeah, like, you know, that's the turns out that it's not me. really about her. You turn all these ropes <laughs> on their head and go, well, you can't do that. Anymore. Like we had a panel before, it's like, whatever you do in your novel, you can't kill a dog. Maybe that's why I can't sell anything. It's in everything I write, I kill a dog, you know. <laughs> I don't I don't dislike dogs, I just think it would be in the freaking plot. Yeah. Yeah, look what that did for John Wick. <laughs> there are four movies. It's yeah. great. <laughs> Well, what's, what, what the whole idea of a movie is to bring hit emotion. What more hits emotion than having a dog killed? <laughs> you know, it, it affects us. Well, yeah, it's like, why, why, is it, why is it okay to kill out? cats or parakeets? Exactly. <laughs> Pet frogs or whatever. It was um, True Lies with Arnold Schwarzenegger, yeah. and he's the spy, and he mm -hmm. goes over the fence, and the dogs come, and he grabs their heads. Oh, yeah. And bangs, bangs them, together. them together. People were outraged. Oh, yeah. Worse oh, wow. than Total Recall when he hit the woman. Yeah. Who, she woman, was fighting yeah, him. He, you don't, know, that was valid. don't go after the dog. People will come yeah. for you. No, they were like, what? 
Yeah. Also, very... don't forget the dog. I wrote a series, oh. and like I wasn't really I invested in the damn dog, so it was like I don't know where he is. And then all the fans were like, "Where's the dog?" And I'm like, "It's not important." <laughs> I read a book about a vet who had a dog at home, and then he goes off with the love interest, and I'm like. Where's well, your fucking dog? dog? That's fair. That yeah. one's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Me, I should have just erased the dog from the first book. Yeah. <laughs> just put a little little uh, disclaimer. By the way, there was no dog. In the, <laughs> the dog was in her mind only. Um, and so, like, um, it's even sort of kind of weird because, like, in other countries, um, the church can have, like, a lot of say over, like, what even gets released. Like, mm-hmm. in Italy... You know, like you better get the blessing of you know the um, Vatican City, or you're going to have some problems. You know, um, and so um, I mean, there are still ways that it sort of hangs on, um, but like I don't think that it's as useful as it once was. And even then, I don't know how terribly useful it was. It just sort of gets eyes on your project, but I don't know that it gets like. The kind of eyes on your project that you want. It's, it gets the looky lose. It's like the the people that slow down on the freeway to, yeah. to look at the accident. You're just like, well, what I, why do I want you looking at my stuff? You know, like you're just, oh yeah, okay, there you go. See you later. Bye. As knee jerk, as opposed to long term interest. Yeah. Yeah. So, what would you say are some great ways of advertising? Like. Um, what sort of things could we do to help advertise our controversial material? Yeah, so um, definitely network is like one of the things that I would say is really, really important. Um, and like, um, you know, I would say the only difference between probably me and you right now is that I know more people than you probably would be the only difference. Um, and like make sure that you are engaged with your audience. Um, like we were just sort of, right before this, there was a, a panel about um, Patreon and you know doing Kickstarters and stuff like that, <clears throat> which I've done and I've had successful stuff on that. Um, but they're very much right about like engage with your audience and like you know ask what they kind of want to, you know, like they love that sort of stuff. Um, and then um, it's like, you have to like be sort of really um, on top. Like I'm not the best person um, for the marketing side of it. Um, my friend James, who was in the last panel, does a really great job. But it's like you have to sort of treat it like a job. You know, like you have to sort of like really put a little bit of effort into it and sort of figure out like where your audience, where your the eyes of your audience are, and then you know. Make sure that you're doing what you can do to get it in front of those people, um, and like um, you should probably sort of be able to find you know either through you know different social media avenues. Um, Twitter and Facebook are really good for this. Um, there's a lot of good um, like marketing resources as well through Twitter and uh, Facebook that can help you a lot better than I can because I'm not like the best, but. Like, I always say, try to be unique and, um, like, be a little bit different than everybody else. Because, like, um, the thing that I can tell you doesn't help marketing is putting, like, a, a book cover or a movie poster or something that looks exactly like all the boring ones that are already out there. 
Um, like, man, like I just, we were looking at like the stack of books, like the free books or, you know, or like when we were going through the vendors uh, tables and we were picking out the ones where we were just like, oh yeah, I would, you know, and bought a couple of the ones where it's just like, I just like, you know, the marketing on this and it might not necessarily be like, it might be the other one was better for me, you know, and suited in terms of like, but it had that same bland, boring cover that everybody has. And I'm just like, ah, I don't know. you're not really doing anything to like catch my attention. Um, like I always say, catch somebody's attention immediately if you can. And that's like, yeah. Well, what strikes you? What, what uh, kind of an idea? What, what did you see in the books that you bought that just kind of came out? Usually it's like a, original art, right? And it's, I don't think that it's the most expensive thing that you can do but you can like find some artists out there that will do very reasonable work for you or might even collaborate with you you know and you could go like you know a percentage in you know say like hey if you do a really nice like cover painting and some illustrations for my book or something you know we could work out a deal where you get you know x amount of you know percentages or whatever i pay you like a flat fee up front um but like, think of the um, like the Marvel movies are so guilty of this. Think think of every Marvel poster you've ever seen. <laughs> Not only it's that. exactly the same, right? Yep. Every single one, right? Yep. Black Panther, uh, the Avengers, you know, all the Captain America movies—they're all the same. It's whoever the main character is. All of the ancillary characters just sort of like spread out around that character, and then maybe some, you know, flashes and bells and whistles or something like that. But it's so fucking boring. Yeah, but they do it because it works. Well, yeah, they don't have they don't have to put any effort into it. That's why they do it because they're just like it doesn't matter. Yeah, like you're gonna come see, you know, like the Eternals or whatever because like we just crank everything out. You're just gonna come take a look at it, you know. Um, and so like Marvel can get away with that shit, you know. But like think of. Um, uh, what would be a good example of this? Like Disney does a nice, um, you know, like um, think of like the marketing, especially for like the Pixar stuff where it's like Wally, right? And it's just a picture of Wally, right? That's all it is, you know? And I think that stands out and is stark and they sort of understand that those are like, there's an artistic element to that that they don't want to take away, even though it's a billion dollar, you know, like property that they're dealing with. Right. Um, so, don't be the same as everybody else is what stands out to me. There was also something that I think it was just really Disney that really stood out is Marvel, uh, the live action for Aladdin, and I think Star Wars, mm -hmm. where they use the same color on every single poster in oh, yeah. the same pattern. And I know that it's supposed to like pop out, mm -hmm. but it doesn't. Oh, yeah, this is yeah. This has got a built-in audience with the Marvel and DC extended universe. Anyway, you could put you could put a can of shit on there, and if you said it was related to something that you see, or well, I'm intrigued now. Would you go see a movie that was like a completely back poster with the name of the movie, and then come see it? I mean, it depends. Didn't they do that with Pitch Black or something? Yeah, well, they probably did, but I wonder if you knew nothing else, right. would you be motivated to see it just out of curiosity? Or would you feel like, I'm not falling for this. I'm not going to waste 15 bucks and be... I mean, I, I have to see it to like kind you know? of decide, but maybe... I'd well, I'm just saying, and just based on that, a black poster with the name of a movie that maybe you've heard about or has something that would... I mean, obviously, if it 
doesn't relate to anything you already know. It's like, I don't care about that. And it just says, come see you. Remember the, remember the Woody Allen line? I can't remember what film it is. He said, we're, we're going to let people in for free and charge them to get out. <laughs> <laughs> once they're in there, once we've got, you know, what, we've got to argue about the movies. You know, once, you, once they've got your money, I can't, I want my money back. I didn't like this movie. That doesn't work. And what's about everything else you can take back, but you can't take back your movie experience. So, mm. well, it'll work with some, something will work with somebody, you know. Uh, it's just like the authors who like people buy their books to then burn them. Thanks for buying my book, cool. buddy. Yeah. Good job. Good well, I was going to say that's that's it. Is you have to know your audience and you have to know mm-hmm. what you're targeting to. I mean, you know, you yeah. have to. And I don't. I pay somebody to do my cover art, and mm-hmm. she spends her time on Amazon. What are the top 100 selling books? In okay, I'm going to do a young adult urban fantasy. What are those top selling books? What do they look like? And my series has a theme going through it. Mm-hmm. So they look good on the shelf. There's no different size if you have all the books, but you can tell what it is by looking at the cover and you have to know that. And if you don't know that, learn it or pay somebody else to do it. Because otherwise you're gonna wind up, you know. Well, I always wonder what, what, what kind of subliminal agenda Disney had by putting their first VHSs and then their DVD box sets and things were actually physically larger than other companies. Like you've already got pre-built shelves. This doesn't work. I'm so pissed. Yeah. I got just to stand out because we're we're bigger, you know. We're bigger, so we must be better. Size matters. Don't put us right next to. Yeah, size matters. That wasn't what was that was a tagline for. Probably more than one movie. (laughs) (laughs) Might have been Alien or something. I don't remember. Might have been a horror film. I just don't know. Godzilla, I think, had something. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was Godzilla. Um, But yeah, I mean, like, I didn't know this was going to, like, turn into an advertising panel, but that's totally (laughs) that? Isn't that that what it is? I guess, (laughs) guess, yeah, I guess it is sort of implied with uh, the... uh, But yeah, um, like, I don't... I can't do the artistic side of it at all right like Mm -hmm. I do lots of um, video projects I do lots of uh, like I know how to move a camera right but like if it's like putting together like I have two podcasts I had somebody else put together like the all the um, all the logos and stuff Mm -hmm. for me because mine would have looked like a four-year-old did it you know I I wish mine would have looked that professional like it wouldn't have even looked it'd just be like what is this this is not appeal to four-year-olds with money yeah I don't know any four-year-olds with money so like they're out there they are I'm sure they are but yeah I would say like definitely explore those different avenues Um, like you said either pay somebody to do it or learn it you know because there is certain aspects that I have learned you know like doing sort of the HTML side of it you know for like just all the posting you know um, keeping my stuff updated Um, I mean there's certainly been pieces that I've learned um, through that um, just because like I wanted to be able to do what I wanted to do Mm but um, also remember that there are people out there that will do that, and probably pretty reasonably, you know, um, mm-hmm. especially if they're sort of doing it on a freelance level too, because, you know, I don't hate exposure, but like there is a certain piece to exposure because like for that sort of stuff, you know, like 
somebody could put that stuff in their portfolio, you know, like a web designer or an artist or whatever, and say, hey, look at these logos I put together. Hey, you know, this different stuff that I put together for different people um, that, like, don't do any of that side of it. Um, like, there is, you can probably get um, a little bit of a deal, especially if you have, like, a fan base, because, like, then you're getting your stuff, their stuff in front of eyes, you know, which... Uh, can be I've certainly seen the benefit of that for like ancillary purposes for artists like that I've used before that you know just continue to like get the word of mouth out there and then finally the right person saw it and then you know like I got a buddy who like I've got like original works on my uh, wall you know that like two years ago he was barely making it and now like Universal Studios is like can you paint us stuff we're gonna use like in our uh, Halloween you know um, decorations for like all of the stuff that we bring in, you know, like the Haunted Hollywood or whatever it's called, um, mm -hmm. Universal Horror, whatever it's called. Because um, they saw that he was doing all these amazing, you know, like um, old school Universal monsters, you know, and these beautiful, like, acrylic paintings. And, you know, suddenly, you know, now, like, I can't afford shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Which is sad for me, but hey, good for him. You know, like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, and he still kind of takes care of me if I want something done. Um, but that's another thing is like you make those connections and you don't know like what's going to happen to that person, you know, so like you can accidentally get exposure through those avenues too, you know, um, like uh, we've had a lot of people that, you know, they would say like, why are you talking to so-and-so small indie movie, you know, maker, you know, writer or whatever, right? And it's just like, yeah, well, okay, sure, I get what you're saying, right? Nobody knows what this movie is, right? Uh, we did this movie that we really, really loved um, that was called Super Dark Times. And we, uh, I was friendly with the writer, and so we reached out to him. And then, like, they just had another movie called The Night House, which has gotten, like, rave reviews, and you know, had Rebecca Hall in it, who's been nominated for an Academy Award. And now they're doing something called Hellraiser, and apparently it's, you know, causing some issues online. People are a little unhappy about some casting choices, which makes me infinitely happy. I'm just like, oh, my God, that means you absolutely picked the right pinhead. Um, she's great. I think she's great. And, like, they've been telling me about the dailies, you know, and so, like, that's why you make those connections because like that guy who was making that movie that you know maybe cost twenty thousand dollars or whatever the first one was it was nothing they spent nothing on that movie suddenly they move into you know they see that these people have you know projection forward and like um you know the same thing happened to adam weingart he was making like the guest you know and like these little frozen you know like these little small horror movies and they're like would you like to make godzilla versus kong Yes, I would. You know, here's a check for $250 million. Do whatever you want, you know. Um, and so, like, that's why you, and, like, I've had conversations, just hanging out with that dude, you know, like, we were geeking out about, like, weird-ass Italian horror movies that we liked while everybody's trying to talk about the movie that he made. Um, and um, so, like, make those network, 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 because you, you just never know. And like, you'll meet that person that's on the same trajectory as you, and maybe they have that piece that you need. Um, because like, you can take little pieces from everybody and just incorporate it into what you do. And I think that, that ultimately is what's gonna keep pushing you forward in like a good direction. If you make a movie cheaply enough and you have any kind of decent advertising, First year advertising, so you're going to be able to put together a campaign. 
it's hard to lose money. People don't realize this, but I see so much money wasted in films because of infighting and politics and all that. It's like, put the money in your goddamn production. Either commit to this thing or get the hell out. Uh, for those of you that are interested in the business side of filmmaking, I assume it's probably applicable to novels and other forms of entertainment. It's a book by Roger Corman called How I Made 100 Movies in Hollywood and Never Lost a Dime. It's a great book. And it's pretty, it's, it's pretty true. So, you know... It's, Rebel Without a Crew? I mean, I, now, uh, now you may... <laughs> There's a TV series for that, too. You may engage in some, in some shady advertising that might be morally questionable, like uh, when Corman was with AIP, or American International Pictures, he always said, we designed the poster first, then we went ahead and wrote the script. They would they would figure out what the title was, and they would design a poster, and they would hire The posters were great. The and posters them, were amazing. Some of them, outside them. of the stuff from the golden age of Hollywood, they're, they're like the most collectible oh, yeah, in the world. I love Beast with a Million Eyes. It's got this like caterpillar-like thing studded with eyes, and there's <laughs> only one thing in there that vaguely looks like the face of that thing, but that's not in there at all. Like, but you paid your money. What are you going to do? Pull up, pull up the poster for Death Race 2000, yeah. right? Uh, it's amazing, right? It, it's a shitty, like, you know, racing movie. It's Sylvester Stallone's in it, you know, um, before he John was really... Or, or David Carradine. David Carradine's in yeah. it, yeah. Um, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's fun. Um, but, like, you can learn a lot from those, you know, what you mentioned William Castle earlier, right? Work some gimmicks into that gimmicks stuff that great. you're doing. I gimmicks mean, are great. They really are. And, like... People go, it's a gimmick. Yeah, but so what? Like, you looked at it, you know? Um, like, he would do the Tingler, right? William right. Castler did the t And so what they would do is they would come in to the movie theater that they were showing their movie at, and they would wire, like, two seats in the movie theater to, like, you know, it's probably more than two, because, like, you know, you have to make sure that somebody's getting zapped. Um, but they would go in, they'd do some random seats, and, like, at a certain point in the movie, when the guy gets electrocuted, they would send a jolt through those seats, you know, and, like, people would jump up, you know, and it's just like, what? Oh, Hitchcock was notorious for it. He loved it. I mean, he was always in his own movies, you know, which I love that about him. Um, so was William Castle. He did a lot of cameos. Oh, yeah, they, they were like two pieces of the same pot. They really well, were. Actually, they, they were both, like money and no money version of the same guy, basically. They, they both bid on... Um, Diabolique at one point. Oh yeah, the French film. Hitchcock locked out. William Castle said, "Okay, it's, it's too much money. I can't I can't afford the stars." But uh, Henri Clouseau did that film. Diabolique is it's the most Hitchcockian non-Hitchcock film you'll ever find. Pretty much. I recommend it highly, and it's it's been remade several times. Yeah. So, but um, great film. But yeah, like Hitchcock would do the thing. Like so, there's um, there's a movie theater in my whole in my old hometown called the castle it was like one of those 2000 seat you know one screen you know back when like you went downtown to go see a movie and nobody cared that there was no parking anywhere and you know all these things and so um there's alfred hitchcock in my hometown with a stand full of you know like crows you know <laughs> promoting the birds in my hometown you know or like a picture of Cary Grant, you know, standing outside, you know, like, why was he in my shitty hometown, you know? Like, there's no reason for Cary Grant to ever come to this town, you know? Um, but they did, because, it, like, advertising was different then, you know? It's just like, I used to do press junkets. They still do press junkets sometimes, 
Um, it's where you just go to like, you know, a hotel or some place and they set up, you know, the, the writer, the director, the actors, you know, in different rooms. You go, you walk around, you talk to everybody about, you know, everybody's, oh yeah, so and so is so great to work with. Yeah, I can't wait to do it again. It's, they're boring as hell, right? I would go because like a lot of places they would like buy you drinks too. So like I get drunk on Dr DreamWorks time, you know, and go yell at like Brian Adams. I, that's a true story. Um, <laughs> well, you've seen their promotional film for Psycho with Hitchcock. Yeah. Rather than just clips from the movie, he kind of takes you around all the sets and goes, this, this is where this happened. This is where this happened. Oh my, are you in for a treat? That kind of thing. And it, was like, it went on, like most trailers, like two or three minutes. Yeah. This went on for like seven or eight minutes. Mm -hmm. But you know, it's Hitchcock. You're going to watch. Yeah. And he didn't really give anything away. Nope. He just showed you the sets and yep. kind of intimated, well, you know. This is this is key to the to the film's plot. Would that so work? I I was I was engrossed. I can't speak for anybody else. I thought it was a great form of advertising. Would that have worked if it wasn't Hitchcock? I don't know. That's a good question. William Castle did the same thing. Well, yeah. I mean, so, if you're well known enough, I mean, not yeah, necessarily. But if, but if it's right? Joe Blow and this is only his second right. feature, probably not. It would it would have to have that voice and that tension that uh, Hitchcock's. Pitch. Well, yeah. Well, you know, he told great stories. Yeah, and, you know, it's always been about. Uh, I can't remember what it was John. It was the Tonight Show, but he told the story about. The, the MacGuffin. You all know what the MacGuffin is. It's, right. it's kind of a, a red herring and, and plots. And he told the story about, uh, you know, somebody asked, it was on a train because so many of Hitchcock's films took place on trains. Right. And the guy says, what's that over there, you know, overhead there? And he said, oh, that's a MacGuffin. And he goes, well, what's a MacGuffin? He goes, well, it's a device for shooting lions in the Scottish Highlands. Goes, but there are no lions in the Scottish Highlands. He goes, Oh, well, then that's no MacGuffin. And when Hitchcock tells it, it's like the greatest campfire story in the world, even though it's like a, yeah, like a one-off yeah. one layer, you know. Uh, but yeah, he, he loved MacGuffins, um, like the microfiche and uh, North by Northwest. Yeah, there's always something one. going on. Um, I mean, at Pulp Fiction has a great MacGuffin where Jules opens the case and he looks yeah. at whatever it is and he knows, I can't lose this case now, right? <laughs> and they never show you what it is and that's one of the great, I mean, I love that, you know? And it can be whatever you want. That's the great Wanda. part. Yeah. The fish named Wanda or No No Wait was said or whatever, or mm -hmm. what Rosemary was. I can't remember. It's been a while since I watched it. But. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, there's some amazing sort of stuff that you can work in there. Um, and so don't be afraid of like gimmicks. Don't be afraid of like trying things um, and um, be ready to fail, right? Like that's, this, this is the thing I keep telling, you know, like, um, you know, they were just like, how did you start programming movies? And it's just like, I kept asking until somebody said yes, you know, like just find the person that will say yes. There will, I promise you, I promise you. There are people out there that will say yes to you for what you want to do. I promise they're out there. You just got to keep asking. Yeah, it's um, like in Hollywood. Take any job. You've, you've just met a person, you know, that, that gave you this job. Then you find out who they know. You, and you keep at it. You keep getting your name out there. I don't care how menial it is. Just do it, and, and you're in the biz. When, when yeah. James Cagney was working at sort of, the, sort of the tail end of silent films, he was in a cowboy picture. Uh, or and the director said, "Can you ride a horse?" Oh, sure. He'd never been on a horse in his life. He went out that night and did his best just to stay on the horse and not get freaked out by it. And it worked. Nobody, nobody knew. And as they say, the rest is history. Yep. Wow. I mean, that stuff happened. Don't be afraid to go. Well, they're going to find out what a fraud. Well, worry about that later. Yeah, worry about you it. Might get out out There's a lot of stupid people out there. You might be smarter than most of them. You don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, like fake it till you make it is. It's a true thing, yeah. right? Like, you know, um, 
I would say I was a little ahead of the curve because I'd done a lot of like events by the time we started doing live events. But um, like my um, my co-host was like terrified the first time we did a live event, and she's like, "You seem so calm," and I'm like, "Well, we're just going out there to talk about like a movie that we love that everybody here that's coming to see this movie also loves this movie." So like. They're not like going to come after us or anything, and if they do, who cares? Like that's that'll be even better. I'll antagonize the whole. I'll take on the whole crowd. I don't care. Um, and um, it turned out to be fine, you know. And um, it was just like, and now you know, like that's continue. Like I never planned on doing live events. I never really planned on doing this. You know, these things just sort of like uh, I know people, and it's just like, oh, that seems like it would be fun. Can I do that? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, and now as you keep doing that, you start building this network of people. And now like when I have crazy ideas, like I keep bouncing around in my head, like I could really pull off a film festival now, right? Top to bottom. I know I could do it. Um, and like, you know, before, you know, I had the same idea. Oh, I could do a film festival now. Like I know the people I could do a film festival if I wanted to. Right. And like, I know the people that I can reach out to you know, potentially for sponsors and, you know, like the people that sort of do it, you pay attention to the, like the stuff that you like that is out there, pay attention to the people that are supporting that and reach out to those people. Like that is going to be, um, you know, just a wealth of, cause like those are already the people that are doing what you want to do. Um, and so like, um, you know, like I got invited to this because like I knew somebody that was already doing this, you know, I'm not, I mean, I am a writer, but like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm, um, you know, the, uh, the the great genius of writing or anything like that. I've certainly written a lot over the last 30 years or whatever, um, 40, whatever it is now. Um, uh, but, you know, I don't think I've got it all, like, figured out or anything. But I'm just willing to keep trying things that will work, you know, and eventually you'll just get to where you want to be. And so, like, I know some real movers and shakers in Hollywood might, you know, like degrees of separation from like people that you just be like it's like one or zero you know for a lot of and it's just like how the fuck do i know quentin tarantino like how is that a fucking thing right like that's stupid but like it's a thing that i really do you know and like i never expected any of that to happen and that was totally an accident because somebody that i know knew quentin tarantino and so like i got to meet quentin tarantino it's just like that's fucking awesome you know but like it's Put it out there. Put it out there. Don't be afraid. So uh, Monday night football. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Eli and Peyton Manning <laughs> have a parallel show that they announce live, mm -hmm. and they bring guests on. Mm -hmm. It bit them real good the other night because they have Marcel. I don't remember. Anyway, they're talking about this play, and the play falls apart, and Marcel goes, "What the fuck was that?" <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, that's like, so there's going to be people that are only casually interested in football, right? But they like Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, right? So they'll tune in to Monday Night Football because like, they do the same thing with um, Nickelodeon now, right? Like the NFL is the smartest marketing. I mean, they are terrible, awful people, you know, fuck, fuck them forever. I love football, but fuck them forever, right? And, um, but like as far as marketing goes, they are geniuses. They are the best I've ever seen. Oh, and I think Peyton Manning sold his self. Oh, sure. After his football career 
after his appearance on Saturday Night Live. Oh yeah, I mean that was he was self-deprecating oh, to yeah. the max, and he was funny, engaging. Although I don't know if that GE College Bowl thing worked out too well. This is, the two of them together are tremendously funny. Yeah. And, and Eli was picking on Peyton <laughs> for his receding hairline. <laughs> and their dad had said, you know, Eli, you might want to ease up on the forehead. He says, Dad, that's not a forehead. It's closer to a five. <laughs> <laughs> well, what does that make uh, uh, Joe Buck better? He's well, got room for your, your ad here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> if he and Helen Hunt ever married and had children, they'd look like Brainiac. You know? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, like they market to kids now through Nickelodeon, you know, like they have a Nickelodeon show. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, they're only just throw, and like the Nickelodeon show was like a total afterthought, right? Like, it's one of those like media mergers where they're like, oh yeah, well we have access to all these other, you know, networks now. And like, there's, why not just get our content in front of other people? So like, let's do a fun show where like the players get slimed instead, you know, like, let's just totally mm -hmm. lean into the Nickelodeon aspect of it. And it totally worked it it was um, like they did a whole game of the playoffs last year and i was like i couldn't believe how much fun i was having i was like this is so i mean like this is ridiculous but like i love it you know um and i could see like how that would like appeal to you know like maybe kids that only are marginally you know invested in like, the football game but they like the, all the ancillary stuff no, that's I, got slime. It's, it, it, I can't imagine that uh, anybody could fail miserably when they've got slime involved yeah, yeah. kids <laughs> you gotta be that's a pretty big asshole yes that should be on every, every interview get some slime get some slime <laughs> yeah. make slime Guys, your co-host slime is an amazing cleaning tool <laughs> <laughs> no seriously it's if you, great like, you, you, you have your cup holders in your you, car and they get all gross and dusty yeah, you just take a little slime thing and whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah, it all works. You're welcome. <laughs> when I was a kid, it was Play Doh, and it did the same thing. Yeah, yeah. you know, totally. silly buddy. Another one. I um, used I used to work for Texas Instruments, mm -hmm. and I was always I always had the idea that you know everything's with uh, superheroes now, and Texas Instruments says we're leader in power, leader in power. It just made sense that they should be connected to. To them, you know, power and then Texas Instruments. They even had the video and film thing. They never did it because I think they they were more interested in their supporter or uh, uh, shareholders. But I just thought, if you're saying you're the leader, you better be up there. <laughs> oh, well, you you worked with the group that bamboozled my generation for those T eighty six stupid <laughs> rapping calculators. Yes. The key word there was worked. Yes. yes. I, know. Yes. I, I, I want their names. I want their numbers. I want my hundred and twenty dollars back. Did you, you, did you buy it? <laughs> They made me in yeah, middle school. I had one of those ridiculous calculators too. Uh, and they were like eighty or ninety bucks when I bought it. You know, in nineteen. Used it for one year, and I didn't even graph with it because we never covered that part in the damn math. Okay. And somewhere, Texas Instruments is paying out the American Teacher Association. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can't go wrong with superheroes. I remember AT and T had a had a print advertising, and there was a picture of a phone booth, and Superman was going into it. Perfect. You know, it's like. 
Wow, who's not gonna who's gonna be against that? You know, Apple <laughs> yeah. Pie, Motherhood, and American Way. I think they haven't they dispensed with that now because that's too oh, jingoistic. Yes, the uh, phrase the American plus way. What is the American way? way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like who would know Truth what a phone booth is anymore? Way, like whole would, you know, like the whole Superman changing in a phone booth. Who would even know what a phone booth is anymore? Yeah. Like if you yeah. ask a kid, that's what's a phone booth? What? Superman came out with Christopher Reeve, and it was a half phone booth, and he goes, I can't change into this, there's nothing <laughs> there. He just keeps running. That was great. I thought that was wonderful. And then you spoof it. That's the thing. You yeah. spoof it. Well, as long as we have Doctor Who, we'll always know what a phone booth does. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> or at least a police box. Police so box. My, my son-in-law is uh, an executive with Geico. Mm -hmm. Two years ago, their advertising budget was $1 billion. Oh, that doesn't surprise mm -hmm. me. But they're priced. It works. Yeah, it pays off. I mean, who who thought of a Geico? Well, it's because it's similar to Ge or, or oh, Gecko. Gecko similar to Geico. Yeah. And he's got to have a Cockney accent. How do you put those two together? Two together. I know. <laughs> and they try a bunch of different accents and I said, that seems to work. We, we like this guy. Yeah. Well, they had a contest to see which of their string of ads over the years were the mm -hmm. most popular. Uh, the Camel. Oh, Mike, 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 what day is it today? Oh, oh, I, thought day. So I thought you were going to say Joe Camel from Camel. <laughs> no, no, that's another. Can't market that to kids. No, oh, no. There's, there's your effective marketing right there. I don't know yes. if this is the one you were thinking of, but did you mean Ernest at the beginning, the, the short word sentence? Because he did a six-word sentence, Ernest Hemingway did, which was... Well, it was uh, a, this was a science fiction writer. It was oh, okay. one word. And I, I think, I think the, the answer was Earth, and I don't know if the title was a question. It's like... You know, what's the worst planet in the universe? You know? <laughs> but it was something like that. I, it's going to drive me crazy until I figure this out. It's not going to happen today, unfortunately. Six <laughs> story was yeah, baby I shoes. I was just trying to Right, but well, Hemingway was known for his terseness. <laughs> right. And so economy of words, let's be charitable here. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, what else, guys? We got four minutes left. Yeah, did this we get off the beaten this, path here? Yeah, it was care. fun I mean, anyway. Why don't we straight so. off topic? That's the way things. This oh, went I got to right. recommend oh, since sure. we talked about just just to get this in, we we talked about uh, Roger Corman's book, How I Made a Hundred Movies in Hollywood and Never Lost a Dime. Mm -hmm. You all got to find a copy or PDF or whatever's available of William Castle's Step Right Up. I'm going to scare the pants off America. It's a great read. No big words, you know. He talked about his time. As a as a as a theater assistant to Bela Lugosi, oh. Bela Lugosi was touring with Dracula on stage. Um, that's kind of where he got his start. Yeah, um, if you're interested in some of those um, older movies and like the advertising and marketing of it, um, there's a really good boutique label called Something Weird. The guy who oh, yeah. started it passed that. away, and sat, sadly, like it hasn't really sort of continued on the way that it did, but. A lot of the old, and they did a lot of stuff that was like drive-in circuit, uh, right. you know, Slot stuff bar. that was, yeah, really tough. To, like, unless you were like in a regional market where that played, it, you just didn't see it. Um, and so you can learn a lot from... Um, I love their DVD like, of just their trailers. Oh, yeah. Because it's like you can't get bored because once you just keep moving and moving, and there's just such outrageous stuff. It's like, I, I do want to see these films. Yep. As bad as they might be, it's yes. like, I want to know more. How did... What's... What is he doing to her? How did this come about? Yeah. And you just keep, nope, we're going on to the next page, you know, okay? yep. either jump on the train or get left behind. Nice, yeah. good, good marketing. Yeah, yeah I love 40, 42nd Street Forever, there's like a whole series of like grindhouse um, trailers, you know, that are 
horror, sci-fi, exploitation, kung fu, you know, all the fun stuff. Um, Have you seen Joe Dante's trailers from hell? Oh, yeah, that's yeah, another, I mean, that's really another one. That's, a website. Yeah. Joe Dante, of course, you know, from Gremlins and everything else. Yeah, he's got the... Trailers he's from a real hell. Trailers, trailers from, from hell. hell. Just, there, just it's like a long series, in. too. So oh, yeah, he's yeah, got, that's a wonderful And Joe Dante knows everything about Hollywood. That guy is a wealth of knowledge. Back when the trailers would grab you, but not show you everything. Yep. I spent a wonderful afternoon on the Warner Brothers lot. Joe Dante brought in his 16 millimeter print of them. Oh, we sat in the theater watching that, you know, on a big screen. Oh, with them. Man, I always thought it was, you know, the, the word them is in color. Yeah. But nothing, it's a black yeah. and white film. Yeah. Like, That's interesting. Uh, it's kind of like the end of How to Make a Monster, yes. where it's a black and white film, mm-hmm. and for the last five minutes, it goes into color when the when the the, the, the room where all these sculptures are goes goes up into flames. Yeah, it's like, another gimmick. But War, you know. War of the Colossal Beast did the same thing. Yeah. It was a yeah. um, sequel to the Amazing Colossal Man, which nobody was really asking for, and they they. <laughs> Like threw together uh, like a fifty-eight minute. It's not even. It's barely a movie. And the whole gimmick was um, see the shocking color finale, and it does. Like in the very literally, yeah, he gets shocked, he, he gets shocked <laughs> at the very end. I mean, like the last five seconds. Like it's so the very end. You know, you giantism know? was really big in the late fifties. Everything had to be huge, you know. Oh yeah, well, it's all atomic. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. all atomic. Yeah. You know, and food of the gods. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You ever see the astounding she creature where the the woman, the alien, and this silver lamay? suit she walks backwards through the whole movie not because it's some kind of weird alien affectation because the zipper broke and they didn't want her <laughs> ass to be exposed but she's it's, it's a 60 minute film and you wonder why she come into a room backwards or you know, she goes out of her room backwards and stuff that's pretty amazing yeah that's awesome Got Why didn't they just diver. have her walk backwards and then run the film? I don't know. Yeah, backwards. that's like the, one of the oldest tricks. In it's the like book. you couldn't stop to fix the zipper. You were on that much of a time constraint. They probably didn't have any money. Uh, obviously, there was <laughs> no, no money, money for a no zipper. Budget, no, no, I don't have fifty cents for a zipper. No, no way. way. No way. That's a gas. Yeah, it's like that's yes, twice the budget of this movie. Are you mad? We can't stop to fix a zipper. Sorry, Velcro. They didn't have Velcro back then. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised nobody's come to like throw us out of the room yet. Like I think no one's going to come to throw us out of the room. Oh, is there a panel after this? Uh, yeah, there's yeah. one at two. I'm back here in three um, for binge worthy. Um, so I mean, I mean, like right now, there's no panel. Yeah, that's why. Oh, is there no panel right this? Okay, nah, I was just nobody's come in, so obviously yeah. not. So. I thought there was, but I guess there's not. Maybe there should have been. I thought there was. Um, that's not impossible. It could have been. Yeah, I think the uh, offshoots really make the panel tell the truth. Well, I think that as long as people feel like they have not wasted their hour, that's the main. Yeah, I just want people to engage. People engage. That's all I really care about. Yeah, we always stray off topic, but that's far from the course. I've never been on a panel where that didn't happen. Yeah, right. I think that would be kind of like, because what if the people don't really want to hear that part? They want to hear this part, so you can go back out. Okay. Maybe there is just, yeah, I see, I told you. There is something. That's okay. It's, it's sunny, you know, all the rules have gone out the window. Oh my god, I love yours. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And feel free to enjoy our other shows, such as D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition and Scion Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. 
Thank you for listening. Journey, but I have no idea about the topic, so. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're in here just because you need to kill some time, or? No, 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 I mean, like, I'm learning to learn. Oh, well, you're hoping to learn something. Yeah. Well, geez, I, I... Pressure. No Prepare. pressure there. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'll see if I can find one interesting factoid in the depth of my subconscious. Yeah, I'm not even sure what we're going to talk about. Okay, How cool. badly the church has reacted to everything we've ever done? Um, basically... <laughs> Um, more of an advertiser, more of No. What was the greatest, the shortest and the greatest short story ever written was one word. It's very famous and I can't even remember now. It's one, oh. the one word and it's like, I hate this. I hate getting old. Googling for you. I think the response or the, the content of the story was Earth. The title was probably 10 times as long as the <laughs> body of the story. Yeah.